Final Fantasy coming back. This is Tom drinking a bloody lake. What's up, what's up? It's Craig. Got a harpoon directly. What's up, everybody? This is Corey. I've got an Arizona green tea with dancing and honey. <laughs> Howdy, dude. This is Scott drinking a Finback IPA with mango. We are Top Shelf Fantasy, and this is our 51st podcast. Um, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Google Play, Our Heart Radio, and all the other fun places to listen to podcasts. Um, our handle is at Top Shelf FNTSY on Instagram and Twitter. Um, all right, let's get right into the news. The biggest thing, I mean, it's not too much news until, you know, after the, the Super Bowl, but AB is finally dropped by his agent because he's still a crazy person until he <laughs> seeks help slash gets some therapy which ab probably won't do yeah he is just a loose cannon at this point he's putting out instagram videos that are just wildly inappropriate and he thinks somehow that paints him in a good light i don't know what's wrong with the dude he needs actual professional help and i don't i really don't even want to harp on him too bad because it's clear at this point that there's something wrong with him yeah i mean his agent's actually losing money by doing this when you think about how talented ab is if you're an agent you sit there and go i can make a ton of money from this guy yeah, I mean, you got to be a different kind of crazy to be like, yeah, I don't, no money in the world, I'm gonna put up with this. Yeah, but so. as Corey referenced the uh, the Instagram video, if you're a dynasty owner of Antonio Brown, I'd go ahead and check that out. Um, that way, you know that there's really been no change since the beginning of the last season with all the stuff that he's been with in the news. He's uh, still at it, and it's not going anywhere. Yeah, that's the the important like part to mention. Redraft leagues, it's kind of just like steer clear of them. But if you were in a dynasty league and you took them, that's it's such a rough situation because you don't want to cut, you know, cut bait on him, and he ends no, up coming back because he's still. It's a bad spot. Yeah, he's it's, still an yeah. all-world talented. I do wide have receiver, him in but... a dynasty league. I can't trade him. Yeah, I can't there's not. You can't get him. He has no the value. The best value is probably a fourth-round pick. Yeah. yeah, and we only have three rounds of that in that just, league. You had to hold him in dynasty. Just don't expect a starter. That's all. Yeah, and if you the thing is, if you drop him, like you don't know what he's somebody's going to pick him up. Oh yeah, you're just going to be out probably you know five bucks or whatever you had on him you know it's, it's a tough position to be in yeah and so mainly the only other big piece of news that we've had going through the playoffs right now um they, they haven't finished we're at the conference championship today and all the other the coaching shuffle has happened uh so we have a lot of um you know new coaches going to new places uh, Mike McCarthy comes out of retirement, or I don't know if he actually ever really retired, but First retirement. <laughs> um, he he's now the Dallas, uh, you know, Cowboys head coach. Uh, they're keeping Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator. Ron Rivera was the first coach signed right away to the Washington Redskins. Uh, I think they had had plans to have Rivera as their head coach there for quite a while. Um, that was definitely just something. Once the season had ended, they pretty much got Rivera to sign a contract within a few days. So I know that uh, those two are the veteran coaches uh, that got new jobs. Um, some some new faces. I don't know if you guys want to uh, pick into this one, uh, but Matt Rule, uh, the offensive or excuse me, the head coach of Baylor University in uh, the NCAA, is now the Carolina Panthers head coach. I'm uh, not sure exactly what to look forward to uh, from what his style was or anything like that. I have heard that they do like to run, makes sense with with CMC. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. Everything's going to be all up in the air with the Panthers. You don't know uh, with uh, Cam Newton if he's going to be the quarterback or not. Yeah, we got other uh, new new faces. We got Joe Judge heading to the Giants as the head coach, former Patriots special teams coordinator. 
uh, be interesting to see what he gets done. You still got some all-world pieces with Saquon Barkley and a lot of receiving talent on that team. Um, and then you got Jason Garrett, former head coach of the Cowboys, who ends up as the um, offensive coordinator there. So that's interesting. I mean, who, who knows how that offense is going to pan out. The Dallas offense was good this year, so if he had any part of that, maybe he can carry over that success. Who maybe not though? You know, he's, yeah. well, <laughs> Garrett's boring. That's yeah. That's yeah. my he's concern. No emotion. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is too is like I never really could pinpoint what his <laughs> offense is because he was really never the offensive coordinator. It was always someone else, or someone different. He just kind of was a glorified coach over in Dallas. So yeah, he yeah. had always coordinators doing everything else. Yeah, and I mean maybe boring is good though for Daniel Jones. He's not going to be asked to do too much. It'll be very similar to the Dak Prescott kind of go out there. Not, I don't want to call him a game manager because they're a little bit more than that. But go out there and play within yourself and don't try to make anything crazy happen, which maybe is that's good for a young quarterback. I don't know. We'll see how it pans out. Yep. And uh, heading over to the Browns. Um, oh, here did Garrett. Um, Stefanski. Is that his name? Yeah, yeah, Stefanski. Stefanski is uh, now the head coach of the Browns. Um, Minnesota's offensive coordinator. This season, they signed him literally, I think, the day after they lost in the playoffs. So um, they interviewed, what, six to seven people, I think, for the job, including McDaniel. So it looks like McDaniels will probably stay with the pass as the OC. Um, so that kind of rounds out the um, bigger names with um, the new teams, new head coaches, offensive coordinators there. So that's it for the news. We'll talk about free agency at some point way down the road but um yeah we i sorry i mean to cut you off but like just the reason why we're even talking about the coaches as it stands right now is we are uh, as a collective top shelf fantasy we're going to work better into figuring out what the offensive coordinators do what the defensive coordinators do um try and get more of a trend uh we're going to be going through that this off season and be able to piece some information together uh at the beginning of the year so you can see again, trends and, and things like that. Um, so that's why we definitely wanted to to get into the, the head coaching changes. Yeah, the, the one other small point about the coaching changes is that they come in and all of these teams have draftable players. CMC specifically is one to, to look at. They're installing new systems, especially the guys who haven't been head coaches before, and you don't know what they're going to produce. So CMC is still probably the first running back off the board in your league, but there's a little wrinkle or a little bit of suspicion about how his role is going to change he might not give you a thousand a thousand again not that it's easy to repeat that but you, you know <laughs> yeah, what i mean right. um at least he got it you yeah, know that was fun not, to watch he might not be as heavily featured depending on what this new coach does it's just something to look out for i mean the same way that we saw the browns install a new system with freddie kitchens and odell not produce it can happen to anybody like that but moving on new segment yeah, Just Tom, kidding, old segment. do you want to Start take this one since you uh, got the yeah. better percentage? <clears throat> yeah, sure. So uh, so Craig went through and uh, throughout the 17 weeks of the season or 16 weeks of the season that we were doing the podcast for, we had starts and sits. Craig went through and came up with all of our hit percentages and how well we did. Yeah, shout out, Craig. That was a ton of work. Yeah, well, was a lot. Well, I, I, half of it was done for me. Thank you, Corey. Um, and I know that uh, throughout the throughout the year, uh, Scott's the one who actually you know puts down the hits and misses. So we, we had some data. We just finally were able to put it on paper and get an actual percentage of what we did all season long. If you're a long-time uh, listener of this you know podcast, you know we do start them, sit them each week. Uh, and so we went through the percentages um yes i did put the data together but i finished in last um, <laughs> you could have lied i, I, I could yeah no no one was gonna double check this absolutely not 
uh, I think, you know, next year is definitely something that I'll have to uh, really more hone in on so that uh, no one's no one's saying that I'm the worst. Uh, but I had a 54 percent uh, on hits and misses. Uh, we had, you know, a, a few washes in there throughout the season. I know tight ends were something that really killed me. Um, but, you know, other than that, yeah, Tom, you can you can take it away. Uh, the champ of this. Well, I think it just goes to prove that like we're all putting our names and we're having a little competition within ourselves on who who is getting the starts and sits right. So it's not just we're just throwing random shit out there. You know, we're trying stuff. to actually hit there his stuff. Whatever, <laughs> sorry. Excuse me. If kids are listening in the off season, good on you, man. <laughs> um, yeah. So I I led the way with a sixty five percent hit rate. Scotty came in at 62%. Corey came in at 55%. And Craig had a 54%. Hey, 55 and a half, baby. 55. Ah, <laughs> oh, 55.42%. All right. Um, so, I mean, and just take that into the context of actually what, what we were doing throughout the whole year with starts and sits. These weren't obvious names um, when we recommended them to start. When we said hit, I mean, we talked about Corey was very aggressive with some of his his sits throughout the whole year. So we were trying to make it where you were forced to make actual decisions on bench players uh, playing up over guys who were likely drafted in the the seventh and sixth round or higher. Yeah, and, and to um, piggyback on that point. I want to, and probably we'll do it next year. It's going to be too hard to go back and do it this year. Is pull some of these bigger sites that give you the easy ones, tell you to start Travis Kelsey, and tell you to start, you know, just Saquon obvious, obvious starts, Jones. and kind of give you a weighted percentage. And I think we'll do that next year and say, I don't know exactly how we're going to figure it out. We're going to need to do a little bit of an analytic <laughs> research, but to say this guy's a lot harder of a pick and kind of weight it that way, and we'll get some sort of a weighted average for you versus some of the bigger programs out yeah. there that are really just coasting and they'll, they'll like oh, they'll say i have a hundred percent hit rate but yeah i could have a hundred percent hit rate if i told you to start uh cmc every week at running back right. and we were pretty good too like if there was a guy one of us picked we'd you know as a team we'd be like all right that, that's kind of too obvious kind of thing and then we had to change it so we never gave you the clear cut rb1 stardom that's it's just too, too obvious so these percentages weren't as bad for this being our first I full actually, year. I actually think for, these are very good. Yeah, I mean, so I agree. These are flex guys. Like you're paying yeah, these guys right. in your flex positions or your what is your three spot, and for that kind of a start sit for the entire year, I think we did pretty good. I mean, all over fifty percent right. So I think more often than not, 50, like yeah. more often than not, if you were to go to the Yahoo players and sort by points per game at wide receiver, our picks for starts were never on the first page, and I think there's twenty five guys on there. We were oh, on the second, definitely. third yeah. page. Of, we were like yeah, we're 30, looking at in the yeah. three range yeah. always. Yeah, I would. I like wouldn't even look at the guys in the first page. I just click page two and then look at the guys and be like, all right, I'll take him this yeah. way. I like his matchup. And like a lot numbers. was the. I think one of our most used players probably AJ Brown, and that was before he. Once he became, you know, a top ten wide receiver, we couldn't really use it anymore. Yeah. But so like, these are guys. AJ Brown was probably not even on half the rosters by the time we said. Week nine, start this guy, and he goes off. But then, you know, down the road, we can't start him anymore. So these yeah, guys, the were, first week that you picked him, he was like a fourteen percent ownership rate or something like in that oh, yeah. range. It was and ridiculous. He was still like below yeah. thirty for the first like yeah. four weeks. Yeah, but yeah, so I think pretty good. Tom, you know, did better than all of us, but we'll try and unseat him next year. Yeah, we'll make him a little crown and then we'll take it next year. Yeah, <laughs> we'll take it away. Um, and we we did it. So we did the same thing with our sleepers. Um, every week we would pick essentially an unowned player 
Um, and again, this was a this AJ was Brown a, was if, a if, if AJ Brown was on there. I mean, and and honestly, we were finding guys who were twenty five percent or less owned in most Yahoo ESPN leagues or, or whatever. Um, so we're trying to find guys that weren't owned that basically we could say if you, I mean, these were, these were really the true dart throws, right? These were the guys we were saying, if you need to just try and get some points, you feel comfortable throwing these guys in. It's a little different than dart throw because we picked the most obscure names that we possibly I picked a linebacker at one point. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I mean, I I think in total, there might've been two players that got double digits and points and the rest of them were all like under two points. There was one week where everyone, I got to go back with the dart throws. I think either Corey or Tom went with like 16 points and like one of you guys had 12 and I had 10. I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> I think it was like Khalif Raymond was that week or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, it was one of those. But those are fun. I mean, I think we should do it next year with all fullbacks. Like pick a fullback starting week one. I think this oh, guy's going to score more. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, I can get the first pick idea. and take in the – Kyle guy from San you, Fran. Use check. Yeah. 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 Um, I'll take Patty Ricard out of Baltimore. Thank you. All day. So, uh, totally going Devlin. <laughs> so for the sleeper percentage, Corey, Craig, and myself were at 33%. Scotty was a bit behind at at, at, at He's a little slow. A little slow. 21.42. Yeah, excuse me. Yeah, I couldn't. I could not hit this at all. I'd pick like Anthony Miller when he get a zero. Oh, then he beginning get of the 25 year, yeah. the next week. I, I couldn't get the right week for these guys. Yeah, I was just yeah. say, you I were always like it. one week behind, yeah, one yeah. week ahead, or whatever however you want to phrase it. Well, it's, I mean, it's hard to do it. I mean, when you consider the fact that these are free agents, like they're free agents for a reason, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So, and at the beginning of the year, we had a whole, I think we might have had two podcasts dedicated just to this. We had articles up on was, there. Yeah. I think, Scotty, you made them active again. Um, so you can head over to topshelffantasy.com, uh, click over to the articles link, and you can see some of the articles for players we labeled as bounce back, uh, bust, sleepers, um, our breakout players, our dart throws of the year. Um, so you can go ahead and check those out if you want to. I think, um, Scotty, do you want to start off? We're going to go through these real quick. Do you want me to just do me, all my picks, and then instead of going sure. back if and you forth? Wanna, I mean, if you want to do pretty- that. Just quicker, do right? that. Um, yeah. yeah, just pick a couple guys that maybe you want to highlight. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm not going to go through everyone and say I was right, 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 right. Um, uh, the ones I was – my bounce back t- tight end was Delaney Walker. And as a joke, I said he scored more points than he did in 2018. Because 2018, he played like a snap, and that's it. <laughs> um, that was a miss. I am. He played a couple weeks, and he was hurt all the time. Johnny Smith was there, and he just couldn't get back on the field. I think this is the end for Delaney Walker, which is sad. Um, my bust of the year was Jarvis Landry. I was just not high in the sky at all. I think we had him ranked as a WR 31. He finished as the wide receiver 12 on the year. He did better than Odell Beckham. So I was wrong about that. Um, slipper of the year, Anthony Miller was a miss. He kind of came on towards the end of the year, but still, um, he had those dud games, then good games. But I mean, at, 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 at the end of the day, he wasn't even a top 40 receiver. Um, my bounce back quarterback was Jameis Winston on paper. It wasn't pretty, but fantasy wise, he did good. I think he was quarterback three on the year. Um, bounce back running back was Aaron Jones who finished as the running back two with all the touchdowns that he stole from Aaron Rodgers this season. (laughs) My bounce back wide receiver was Allen Robinson. Um, I think he went a little over a thousand, had ninety-eight catches, so he finished as the wide receiver eleven. So I call that a hit, I guess. Last no, year, that's one hundred percent. Yeah, because l- last year I think he finished 
almost 100 points less than what he had this year. Um, let's see here. My breakout running back was Derrick Henry. Uh, I already talked about this in the Power Hour podcast, too. So um, leading rush from the seasons, finished as running back three. Breakout wide receiver, Chris Godwin, finished as wide receiver two. Um, and I think that's it. My dart throw is Dare Agumbawale. That's a hit because I just said that name right. I was, was going <laughs> to say, I'm, I'm impressed by no, that. Um, my dart throw for him was I, I think, you know, he's going to be used a lot in that offense. It's a passing offense. He's the passing running back. But at the end of the day, you couldn't trust a Bucks running back each week. So that was a big miss for me. Um, I'll hand it over to Tom. I think that's all mine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Corey, why don't you guys, we'll just go right. right down the line. Yeah. Um, so I had a bounce back quarterback of Derek Carr. I thought he was going to have a big year this year with Antonio Brown coming in. That really didn't pan out. Um, he, I think you told me, finished 17 at the end Gee, of the I year. Yeah, I wonder so why. <laughs> he, Yeah, he lost weapons. Tyrell Williams went down. It's tough. It just didn't really pan out how I thought it would. I thought he'd come back and have a big year, and he just he just didn't. But maybe better roads lie ahead for the old Derek Carr. Uh, bounce back running back. Similarly, Chris Thompson. He had a huge injury short, shortened season in 2018 and, again, had one in 2019. I don't know what his plan is moving forward. I don't know if he's really going to end up getting back on the field in Washington or, or, or where it is. But when he's on the field, he's an electric guy. I thought this was going to be his year. He's been hurt a lot the last, like, three or four years. Yeah, he's had a broken he back, a, a broken leg. You know, I forget what it was this year, but he just can't stay on the field. Um, my bounce-back wide receiver was Amari Cooper. Just new offense, new system. Thought he was going to put up big numbers, and he really did. Um, he had a great year, so I'm going to call that a hit. Um, back to the Redskins with my bounce-back tight end. I had Jordan Reed. He, again, just couldn't stay healthy. Um, I picked him because I thought – this is going to be one of those years, you know, he'll put one together every, every few years where he gives you a full 16 games. And that was not the case either. Really a lot of injuries here for me, uh, cutting me off at the knees here. Uh, bust of the year. I picked Robert Woods just because I didn't think he was going to live up to the ADP he was going at. Um, he had a huge 2018, but there were so many weapons in that LA offense. I didn't really see the target shares going his way. I think he finished all right. He finished sweaters over 17. Yeah. But so the, that's, that's, there were weeks where, the where he was getting you, zero points so i think yeah i mean he was he was inconsistently getting there but he was funny because he turned it on in the back end of the season that really kind of inflated that that overall 17 finish I think yeah he had like 160 yards in one game and a touchdown so that right. kind of pushed yeah, him up that'll a do lot. you right there um my biggest one of the year was or the sleeper of the year and the biggest pick for me was ryan Tannehill. i thought it was a good pick as, as a backup quarterback as a sleeper but I did not see him doing as well as he did, even in my wildest imaginations. I thought Mariota might get benched or get hurt was actually probably more likely, and maybe Tannehill would take over and play well. I didn't see him doing what he did. He had a phenomenal season, so that's probably the biggest hit for me of the year. Um, breakout running back was Mark Ingram, moving from New Orleans into a new offense in uh, Baltimore. I was really, really interested to see how he could you know, gel with Lamar Jackson, and it turns out they put together a fantastic you know record-setting offense so he was a great pick at um breakout running back breakout wide receiver was michael gallup opposite amari cooper um you know he had a decent season but he had a few or uh, the i think it was a hand, hand injury that he missed a few weeks with so that kind of limited him but he did look good um i wouldn't say he had a breakout year but he looked all right and then my dart throw was Nikhil harry patriots wide receiver first round first wide receiver they picked in the first round in uh, i don't know many many years I thought they had a lot planned for him, and uh, I mean, he did. He missed what eight weeks with yeah, the IR the designation, majority. but mm-hmm. it was like ten, um, right? Yeah, maybe. It was oh, 10. he came after the bye week, right? Whatever. Yeah, week yeah. Was. But he just did not. He was not a 
hit by any any stretch of the imagination. He had like ten catches this year. I think that that category could still be the same place for him next year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's Walking unfortunate, in. but uh, so I guess I'll move over to mine. Um, so starting off with all of my bounce backs, I, I don't think that I fared very well. But um, I was saying that Aaron Rodgers would get back to where he was. Uh, he ended up finishing the year as a bottom QB one. So that's not exactly a um, a hit by any means. Um, unfortunately, you know, I don't know exactly what their, their offensive style was in the beginning of the year. They all struggled, but he, he, Aaron Rodgers was, was not one to count on at all this season, <clears throat> even though he did finish at the end of QB one, it's just not something that you're even proud of. So, uh, that one didn't pan out very well, but Devonta Freeman was definitely one that I was really high on as well. He ended up finishing exactly where you thought he would finish, which was mid RB2. I think it was maybe a little higher. I think it was maybe 19, something like that, uh, where he finished. But he either way. Too. So if he didn't miss those two games, it'd probably be. And, and, and right the thing there. was, too, is, is early on in the season, they had gone 50 50 pretty much between him and Ito Smith. And that was not something that I was expecting. Um, and I think a lot of people, you know, had that, uh, that they were going to do a 50 50. But, you know, Things happen. Um, Marvin Jones was my bounce back wide receiver. There was definitely flashes this season that he was going to bounce back to where he was. Um, even when uh, Matt Stafford got hurt, Marvin Jones was still taking up some time, uh, taking up some plays and, and you know getting a lot of fantasy points. However, uh, I think towards the end of the season, he kind of fell off. I'm not sure if it was due to injury or not. Um, I think he was hurt. I think he was he hurt mi- a little no, bit. No, yeah, he missed. Th- he was putting the IR, I think, after week 12. Yeah, so... Uh, unfortunately that didn't pan out. Uh, Greg Olson was up and down this season. Um, you know, he was obviously better than he was the year before because like Delaney Walker, he had only played like one snap or one game or whatever it was. Then he had that like broken leg or foot or whatever. And then getting into bust of the year, uh, the guy that we've all laughed at about, uh, with me all season was Philip Lindsay. He finished exactly what you thought, what you drafted him to be. Uh, so he was not a bust, but he did, he didn't, you know, raised to any standards <laughs> higher all that talk about him he was a wash he was <laughs> just totally a wash um i i wish i wish i had stuck to my guns on another player but i won't i won't mention it um naeem hines was my sleeper of the year it was mainly because of uh receiving targets that he would fare pretty well in the offense um unfortunately andrew luck uh, had retired everything had changed and naeem hines was really just fallen behind uh jordan wilkins um, and then, um, I think someone, uh, I can't remember the other running back that had Jonathan come in, Williams. Jonathan Williams, right, right. And so Naeem Hines didn't really do too much, but getting into some things that I did hit on breakout running back, Josh Jacobs, uh, definitely going to be going in the first round next year. I feel like that was a pretty good hit. The last, uh, four games of the season, he had uh lingering, you know, separated or broken shoulder injury that whatever, for whatever reason, the Oakland Raiders pl- had him play through since week eight. So he definitely didn't get a lot of points for you in the playoffs. So a lot of people are going to actually feel sour on him. I think it would be pretty wise to capitalize on whatever position that he's going to be mocked at next season. Uh, I think he's a talented first-round running back, and I think you should be able to hold on to him or have him be a mainstay next year for fantasy football. Tyler Lockett was my breakout wide receiver this year. Uh, I do feel that he did take a huge step up. The main thing that I was harping on him was targets. Uh, he went from 70 targets last year to up over 110 this year. So definitely was able to produce with over a thousand yards. Um, I think it was just shy of, of 10 touchdowns, but that was pretty much 
what my thought process was on Tyler Lockett. I think he did pretty well, except again, last part of the season, he put up like three goose eggs, which is not something you're looking forward to. But uh, I think the hit of the year uh, for dart throw DJ shark um, did not expect it. Come on. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be um, <laughs> dart throw. Yeah. It was literally a dart throw. It was just specifically because he was athletic and he was on a team that had a lot of wide receiver question marks. And after game one, Gardner Minshew came in and just fell in love with DJ Shark. Maybe it was a practice thing that they were working on, whatever it was. The two of them connected. Um, he did fall a little bit in the back half of the season uh, from like mid wide receiver one down to wide receiver two. However, DJ Shark was was definitely a uh, hit if you had you know drafted him, which I'm not sure you did. But um, if you did pick him up after the first week, you were definitely happy with DJ Shark throughout the season. And that's I, that's all the the ones that I had for the season. All right, so I'll start up at my uh, bounce back quarterback. I I'm I have a hard time saying that uh, I missed this because I still think that Carson Wentz had a pretty good year. Um, he finished QB nine, uh, but let me just like walk you through some of the stats real quick. He played five more games than he did last year. He threw two hundred more passes than he did last year. He only had six more touchdowns and a thousand more yards than he did last year. He got sacked 37 times. I mean, he had no offense around him. He had no receivers. They had to pass the ball 200 more times. I mean, he ended up with better stats than he did last year. But from an efficiency perspective, if you were to take the 11 games he played last year, extrapolate it over 16, 4,000 yards and 27 TDs is not what you would have expected from him. So I think I missed it. But I think I missed it in the sense that that offense was just in shambles all year. He threw the same amount of attempts that he did his rookie year when they had absolutely no offense. Uh, So you could see they were just trying to grab something anywhere. My bounce back running back was Dalvin Cook. Uh, Dalvin Cook probably could have fell in the the breakout running back uh, position. And I talked about this earlier in the year that I felt he was more of a bounce back because the statistics that he's already put on paper or already put on paper before coming into this year back up what he actually is. And I think he proved it this year that he is the, a workhorse running back. The shoulder injury is not typically an injury that's going to um, hurt you moving forward. I mean, you you can have your shoulder surgically repaired and your legs are still fine. So, I mean, I, I'm not concerned about him at all. Uh, Deshaun Jackson had a great first game and then we never saw him again. So, <laughs> I think he was on path to, to bounce back as a wide receiver, but uh, an injury knocking him out obviously puts question marks there. The bounce back tight end, Jimmy Graham, that what not not even close <laughs> we all i think, pit, he, I think yeah. he finishes what tight end 21 like, I, I, I just looked um if you're not inside the top 10 on tight ends you you didn't have a good season uh, yeah i mean he might and, all right been, so we we all picked the old tight ends the, old guys, the yeah. only one we didn't pick was Witten, who was the only one that finished as a tight end one. Oh yeah that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds about right uh my bust of the year was leonard fournette i missed that uh tremendously um it was I, I Fournette was kind of a fun player to watch at the beginning of the year because I thought I was I was gonna I was oh, gonna he was on it. pace for th- uh, a, a bust. huge bust. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what he did at the end of the year was a career year. Like so, I just want everybody to understand that his the last three years of what Leonard Fournette has done, 
did not suggest that he was going to have a career year in 2019. He went for over five yards a carry. He ended up with double-digit touchdowns. He caught the ball like 70 times. I, I Nobody would have anticipated Leonard Fournette to do what he did. Um, the reason he was a bust was because what he did at the beginning of the year was trending exactly the way that his first three years in the league looked, and it was subpar to what he was drafted to be. But I missed the, the bust of the year. And hopefully Jacksonville realizes the dude can catch the ball and give him the ball, and they're going to succeed. Uh, my sleeper of the year was Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk showed flashes throughout the year. I mean, we had talked about him a couple times, um, but he picked up that ankle injury in like yeah, week two, and, and it just him. hampered him the whole year. It yeah, made, and, a lot. It, and it seemed like when he was on the field, him and Kyler really weren't on the same page. I mean, I still think there's a lot of positivity moving forward for that entire offense, uh, but this just wasn't the year for Christian Kirk, and you know, 2020 is going to be. Something to look forward to with the new uh, offensive coordinator. My breakout RB was on Johnson. Could not have missed that. I mean, this this wasn't even due to the injury. on Johnson was awful at the beginning of the 10 year. 10 points a game, but like, got the ball 25 times a game. Um, yeah, and, well, and that was the other thing was it, he was getting the opportunity to go out there and produce and show, you know, what his physical gifts could do. He just he just couldn't do it, and then he got hurt. So on Johnson right now, fool's gold for 2020 people are going to say well he had a bad year because he got hurt he had a bad year because he stinks yeah (laughs) he's for our drop boards or our rankings he's going to be probably lower than other sites because we saw like Bo scarborough succeeded there like Bo, right (laughs) these random uh who's the other guy west hills did good and uh mckissick came in yeah like and and think about back when they had uh legarrette blunt and Matt Patricia is still the head coach there. I mean, you yeah. see Bo Scarborough. And we said we saw Bo had those three games. But like, who says next year they don't do a split backfield with Bo and Karrion right. Johnson? I think I think the, the time of saying that Karrion Johnson is a breakout or the time that Karrion is going to be an RB1 is, is over. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah it's going to be tough. Uh, my breakout wide receiver was Cooper Cup. I think I smacked this. I actually don't know what his finish was. Yeah, he, it was, he uh, had an five, unreal middle of the season. But he he <laughs> ended up points. slowing down Cooper towards Cup the end of was, the year. Uh, four. Yeah, he ended up as wide receiver four. four. And he slowed down. And, right. I mean, all of that has to do with Jared Goff. So I do not expect did, him to, did, to finish was it here. three games of zero Legitimately in a row? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Zero. Like, yeah. wild. Did happen? I don't know. He went from, like, 45 point. He had, like, a massive game to zero to zero. Oh, my God. That's when Goff and the Rams were just yep. you couldn't start anyone with confidence. Yeah, he. I mean, you you just anything tied to Jared Goff <laughs> is is going to be hard. The positive is he ended the year with a five game touchdown streak. Cooper Cup's going to get the touchdowns, yeah. and that's going to be his saving grace because these yardage totals look like dog shit. <laughs> dog stuff. It's a family program. Um, my dart throw of the year was JJ Arcega Whiteside. Arcega Whiteside. Um, he ended up being useful at some point. No, he couldn't catch the For football. the wide receiver, one, they, Greg Ward was was better than him. Like, he yeah. just couldn't. Um, and Greg Ward's a converted quarterback. But, Tom, I think you said it before. You think JJ next year could be good? Was you? That said that? Yeah, I mean, well, I still think there's a lot of positive things for it with with um, Arthega. He uh, <laughs> well, the, the question's up in the air on Alshon Jeffrey if he's returning too. Well, so, I I think even if he is, he's just so injury prone now. Yeah. I, I, the way that that offense just flows and what he's good at um, in the in the red zone, I I think that 
at some point in time, he's going to be relevant. You know, depending on how relevant that actually is, 2020 could be cool. He uh, was. We'll see what happens. He was always labeled as a raw talent and needed some time. And that's I. I don't want to. I think maybe this was what we had talked about, but that's exactly what was labeled as for DJ Shark was that he was a raw talent and needed time to figure out offense in at, at the NFL level. And I knew going into the season, they said that he was going to shadow Jeffrey pretty much all through practice throughout the entire season to get some, you know, knowledge from, from a veteran. And I think next year, if Jeffrey is gone, then that he's going to take that role and he could have a pretty much of a breakout season, almost like shark did. Right. Well, Craig's calling his 2020 shark is, is a very good. <laughs> They're comparison. just, it's just what it is, is they were just very <laughs> tall Craig athletic players. <laughs> and I, I have had I had Sutton, I had Shark, I had Diggs. Yeah, I could go down a list. <laughs> All right, well, let's, so that was our, our, I like to call refer to them as our accolade picks. I don't know if that's the right terminology. Maybe we'll find a better way. We to did a lot of research out, in the but, beginning for these, these um, guys. Well, yeah, we don't want to be wrong, Craig. So. Um, we were wrong on some of them. Obviously, we always will be. Um, but for the most part, those were those lot, were our picks. A lot of the wrong ones boil down to injuries too. Like not all of them, but yeah, and they, and they can be explained. I mean, Leonard Fournette. You know, I don't know. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm not. I'm not predicting three years into his into his career. He's having a career year. So, yeah. um, all right. And this is just really kind of this whole podcast is reflecting back. Um, we'll move into kind of some of the key things of what we had learned a couple i i don't know theoretical or what 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 what's the word i'm looking for like a fl- f- philosophical philosophical yeah. um ways to approach fantasy football so i don't know scotty do you want to do you want to take yours and then we'll just work back yeah, sure. down. i mean i, I wasn't going to do the whole like tight end thing but i think we've talked about that way too much you know so i'm not going to say you know wait on the tight end cuz i think last podcast we've talked about that during the power hour, the last 10, I guess I'll delete end, some so. of my stuff. Yeah. yeah <laughs> um, I think we just, yes. So I didn't do that, but, um, my biggest thing this year, and I, I usually don't do it, but this year I was getting very cute with it all. Spending your entire fab, spend the whole thing. I walked away this year in a few leagues with $35 plus because, you know, I'm thinking, you know, I need that one guy at the end of the year. That's going to break out. This year, there wasn't really that one guy, but I missed out on guys like Chark, Terry McLaurin, Drake, John Brown, pretty much every – A.J. Brown, all the rookie receivers, um, backup running backs that, that panned out. I wanted to wait so long. By the end of it, I couldn't pick up anyone because I, there was no one I was gonna get, I could pick up to help me get into the playoffs. So, biggest thing is – um. Spend all your fab and don't be scared to, you know, up it at the beginning of the season because DJ Chark was probably a league winner in a lot of leagues. And I screwed up big time because I think, you know, it's fool's gold the first week. But there are those guys that are going to pan out and hopefully you spend a decent amount of fab to get them. So my biggest thing is um, how to spend your fab. Yeah, and sometimes you get to drop fifty-one dollars on Ty Johnson. You know, just <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. not that. Don't spend it like that. But, but I think what you said is perfect. The rookie wide receivers, especially like Marquise Brown, goes out and gives you those two big games. You go grab him for like fifteen. You know, that's not a bad. That's not a bad spend early on in the year. Just hoping that he continues to produce. But um, yeah, onto what I learned this year. 
Um, and it's something that you should know, but I think a lot of people tend to forget about the importance of it. And I said that your draft can set you up, but your in-season management is what's really going to make or break a championship team. The failure to make moves or making the wrong ones can, will, and does cripple even the most talented teams at the draft. You can feel like you had a fantastic draft and you look at your board and you're like, my team is set up for a championship run. And it very well could be, but if you don't add people in um, free agency through the, through, uh, through the fab, then you're going to lose out on a lot of talent and you're not going to be able to make that playoff run that you hoped you would. Or if you don't move guys that are just not producing, even if you don't think the return is exactly what you need it to be, sometimes it's just better to get those guys off your team. And my perfect example of this was I absolutely refused to cut ties with Odell this year and he never produced. I kept saying, you know, it's Odell. It's Odell. He's going to come back. He's going to give me a 20, 30 point game. It's going to be worth it to hang on onto him. And we talked the whole season and I just couldn't take our own advice about separating the player or the, the player name from the player stats. And Odell was not worth keeping. I had a deal that involved uh, Odell and I think it was Mike Evans for Derrick Henry and somebody else. And I didn't take it. And my team was hurting at running back. If I would have just done that deal, I think I'd make the playoffs easily in that league. I think I missed it by one or two wins. And the duds, when Mike Evans would give you a zero and Odell would give you a zero, certainly didn't help me uh, position my, my team well to win. So, again, back to my point, in-season management is the most important part of fantasy football. The draft gets a lot of attention because it's big, it's flashy, it kicks off the season. Everybody's all hyped that fantasy football's back. But your week-to-week management on the waiver wire and making trades within your league is how you win without without a doubt yeah and you said you know the whole you didn't cut ties with odell not like you were ever going to drop him but yeah bench him pick up a guy like aj brown you probably miss on all those guys because you yeah. said i have odell he's, he's he's a top five guy exactly he ended up what what is he for 30 or something, something like that yeah, yeah. worse probably so mine is actually kind of similar to the same point uh <laughs> with in-season management as <clears throat> mine is Closer to the uh, depth side, um, I found myself this year uh, better off in, in my fantasy leagues than I had in the th- last three years due to the fact that I was not trying to build a super team. I wasn't trying to get the one guy that's that's going to be the wide receiver one and and or a running back one that I know I'll, I'll be able to hold on to all season and really rely on and leaving my bench just completely depleted and not having anyone there, throwing flyers left and right. Because uh, injuries happen all season long, and towards the end of the year, it's even more picked up on the running back side. Uh, running backs start to get worn down. They start to need rest. Uh, NFL playoff teams will start to rest their, their players around you know playoff time, week 14, 15, 16, and, and sometimes you get a surprise sit like Derrick Henry where, yeah, he was, he was dealing with some of a, a hamstring injury, but it was not too severe, but they wanted to hold him back for the playoffs. And you've seen what he's been able to do within the playoff run that the Titans have had this season. So my biggest thing that I did differently this year is I had made trades, but I made sure that within those trades, I was not letting my bench go to waste. And I, and I had some players that were able to step up for me when Josh Jacobs, one of my mainstay running backs this year, had gotten hurt, I was able to put in Dwayne Washington. I was able to have that handcuff. I was able to have the area 
in my bench uh, of depth so that I had players to put in. There was a lot of uh, injuries. Um, I know that, at, that uh, Scott, you've had a lot of uh, injuries in the playoff teams that you had this year with, with the wide receivers, with uh, Evans and, and Godwin and Henry. And, and Henry, you know, being another one, that, that when you have that top guy, that top dog that you may have traded for, get hurt you need to put something in you can't just throw in an Akeel Harry in some situations and, and hope he gets a touchdown like you will need someone that gets work and and that's what my biggest thing was takeaway this season alone was making sure that you had at least two or three guys on your bench that you knew if one of your starters had gotten hurt or couldn't make that week with some other injury or or whatever that I could slide them in and feel confident with at least uh, a decent showing for that week all right, and my mine is kind of long. My write ups. <laughs> I was I was shocked when I saw hey, it. Yeah. I was like, "Hey, Tom, get it." Um, get it. <laughs> well, it's it, it's. I don't want to say it's an advanced way of thinking, but you really have to wrap your head around what you're doing, and you're not just drafting players to draft the best players and where they finish at the end of the year. Um, and what I'm really talking about is being able to complement your players and understanding. Okay, I drafted. Uh, so the two examples I'm going to use is Mike Evans and Stefan Diggs. I drafted Mike Evans. I drafted Stefan Diggs. I need to find other complementing players that can support their down weeks because they're very, very volatile. Um, and let me just run through Mike Evans stats because it is the most inflated wide receiver 12 I've ever seen. <laughs> he had five games where he caught one or more touchdowns. He had five games where he had more than 10 targets. He had two games where he had 10 catches or more. And he only had three games where he had over 100 yards. So he is wide receiver 12 because of really five games. The other 11 games, he came out and scored under 10 points. One game, he may have scored 11 because he made a two-point conversion. Where I'm going with this is, there's 11 weeks where Mike Evans is performing less than a wide receiver three. So the rest of your roster needs to be able to pick up for that slack. What I did was I took Stefan Diggs as my wide receiver two. If you own Stefan Diggs, you know why this is the, the two players that I'm bringing up. Uh, Stefan Diggs had an awful year. He finishes wide receiver 21. And even at that, that's that's far too high than what Stefan Diggs actually is. He should have probably finished closer to wide receiver 30, but he had a three touchdown game. He had 121 yard touchdown game. Uh, and that, that was it. I mean, he finished the year, I think with three, four, five, six, seven touchdowns, but you know, a majority of those came in one game. Kirk cousins could not support him and Thielen. It was very, very obvious. And Dalvin cook came back and kind of squashed any hopes of Stefan Diggs moving into wide receiver one territory. The reason that I bring this up is because I had two players on my roster that had, um, so much volatility that I was, I, I, it was very, very hard for me to make up for their, their down weeks. Now there's also a second, uh, issue with doing this is that if you have injuries and you need to make moves like Corey's saying, um, and we've all echoed throughout the whole year. If, if you're stuck in a drought with Stefan Diggs or Mike Evans, you can't move them. Yep. You know, and that's the, that's the other thing. So I'll, I'll play out my scenario, what happened for me at the beginning of the year. Uh, Two-quarterback league, I had Andrew Luck retire. I had Lamar Miller get hurt, and I had Cam Newton 
um, pop up with a foot injury. So both my starting quarterbacks are gone in a two QB league. My RB two's gone. I had Mike Evans and Stephon Diggs underperforming. I had, and I had Todd Gurley on my team. I had absolutely no value anywhere on my roster to trade it and move it because I was waiting for Evans and Diggs to blow up. I couldn't do it because of the injury uh, issues I was facing. So not only from a performance perspective for your team, you also need to understand that you need to be able to carry players that have value throughout the year so that when an injury does come up or you do need to make a move, you're able to do that with value. If you pick these high volatile players and say, oh yeah, well, Mike Evans finishes wide receiver 12. I drafted him as wide receiver 10. It's really not that bad. It, it's that bad. I mean, it's, it's bad in the sense that there were only five weeks where Evans was relevant. Any smart fantasy football player in week seven is going to look at Mike Evans' stat line and go, he had one good week. I'm not trading you what you want for Mike Evans because what you want for Mike Evans is an RB1 in return, and you're not going to get that. So not only are you putting yourself at a week-to-week disadvantage by having volatile players, you're not allowing yourself to have the flexibility to turn over your roster if you need to make a trade. So there, it, it's there's a lot of... Uh, I, I want to. I don't want to call it advanced, but there's a lot of forward thinking when it comes to trying to figure out: am I, am I picking the right person for my team? Because yes, there may be better players out there, but chances are there's a better player for your specific team that fills a a, a better need. Mike Evans, Stephon Diggs was they're they're two terrible wide receivers to pair together. So you look at just to jump in real quick. You look at Mike Evans and you say he's a wide receiver one because of what you just really played out for us he finished wide receiver 12 he's a wide receiver one i would rather have jarvis landry who's going to give you 10 points a week and you know that he's like a known quantity he's going to get the targets the catches he's consistent he very rarely gives you the zeros and then you, you draft somebody else instead of mike evans you know then you you're set up so much better even though you don't have the mike evans name you're just safer because like you said he had what five weeks where he was a wide receiver one in in actuality so cool you got five wins there you there's your five wins he had seven dud weeks. Those are your seven losses. You're not in playoffs. <laughs> Sorry, bud. You're done. Right. Exactly. You can have one of those guys. Yeah. You can, and, and that's, that's fine. and that's what I'm saying right. is that you need to there when when you're when you're drafting, don't just say, oh, Stephon Diggs is the best available wide receiver. I already have Mike Evans on my team, um, and I'm gonna have Mike Evans and Stephon Instead Diggs. Of Diggs I'm gonna be I would great. take Robert Woods because in the right. past. Yes. Last year was kind of a flaw, but like he's in the past, he's he's a guy that's giving you fifteen to sixteen a week, but not you know the thirty eight points that Evans gets you or the forty two. I think Diggs got one week, right? Then he goes back down to six. So it's like you want those you can have those that one big guy, but then you need to have safe guys that are going to give you ten to fifteen a week. Yeah, and like you said with the forward thinking, you're, when you're doing your your drafting, you're not just looking at wide receiver finishes and then sorting by that and saying, okay, well, Mike Evans is wide receiver 12 overall. I'll draft him in the first, second round maybe. No, no, no. You go back and you look at week-by-week week stats and you see, okay, well, he gave me seven zeros. Or, you know, well, he didn't give me seven zeros, but, you know, seven bum weeks, eight bum weeks. Look at the weekly production and realize that some of these guys are artificially inflated by a Stephon Diggs 42-point outburst, three touchdowns, 100-something yards. That's not... His stats count, of course, but that's not true week by week. He like it's just not practical to expect him to do that consistently. And if you're seeing his stats higher, you're seeing him ranked higher. It's not truly indicative of what he's actually going to produce week in and week out, which I think is some. Oh yeah, somewhat I mean, of what absolutely. You're saying. I think I think 
I think this conversation will likely be talked about moving oh, yeah. forward as well. I mean, there's a whole uh, floor and ceiling component that I wanted to bring up. I mean, this is this is distribution of points. I mean, this is statistics in 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 a nutshell of how do you statistically put together the best roster, and it's not by just saying, oh, he finished the highest, he finished the highest, he had more points. There's another component to it that you have to look at. Um, so yeah, we've been talking about this stuff, since like week yeah. six where I want to do like a, a deep dive analytical statistical podcast where we talk about philosophy and why it comes down and boils down to what's well, essentially just, it boils down to math and yeah. fantasy football is math yeah. and yep. you need to, and I, I still want to do the regression podcast. We'll, we'll we need, to we just need to give the listeners like some, some forward warning, like, hi, this is going to be a very long, intricate podcast with a lot of stats a lot of numbers skip it if you don't like it but this is Might how you're gonna win two, your league two podcasts with that yeah, yeah, yeah most definitely so um so yeah so this is less looking back really I, I think hopefully after this moving forward is going to be a lot of those um we'll we'll toss our ideas around but it's going to be looking at 2020 and not so much looking back at 2019 I, so yeah i think we can say it's wrap a wrap now yeah yeah wrap 2019 wrap of 2019 but, uh, for take sure a, take a look at the website as well there's a lot of big changes going on there scott's been doing a lot of work so is tom over the last uh, couple of weeks and i know scott's been adding player profiles so all that's going to be on there for you at the the click of a button so just be on the lookout at topshelffantasy.com for some huge changes coming your way that I think is going to make your uh, fantasy life a lot easier. And um, definitely within the next couple of months, uh, we're going to be talking a lot of rookie stuff. Um, I think there's really not much more at, at this time of the season to really be diving into. You know, we like we said, we're wrapping 2019, moving forward to 2020. Outside of coaching changes, really the only new stuff for fantasy football is the new players. And we're going to be getting into a lot of in-depth stuff on that. Um, I know that, you know, we have a whole chart that we're going to put out and everything that we need for you to know as far as either dynasty owners or even if you want to get ahead of the times for the redraft leagues, uh, the rookies coming up, we'll be able to, to give you some good insight on what, what we feel that they're going to do. Um, obviously, you know, team dependent players. Um, are going to be entirely different. However, you know we're going to get you all that information. I don't think that there's much more to say. Um, definitely a shout out, though. I know I, I know Corey already had mentioned it, though. That 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 is a huge enhancement as a, a player profile for every single player. So that is, that is huge, and we really appreciate uh, him doing that for the website. So again, that's a wrap. Find us at Top Shelf Fantasy, F N T S Y, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we're on Facebook as well. TopTelfantasy.com is the website that we've been referring to. So that's going to do it. Stay fluid and stay loose. Baby, I just know you can't start a fire.